Hey, y'all, Brett Maddox here. Hope you're doing well. Uh, we'll start episode four of the Podakesis podcast in just a moment. We're excited for what God is doing and how he's bringing a community together uh, with this podcast. Uh, speaking of which, you can find our podcast everywhere. Uh, go to our website, podakesis.com, where you'll see extended show notes, resources uh, that we make available to you and point you uh, towards. You can also find out from there how to listen to the show uh, from your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple, we're on Google Play, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. We are literally everywhere. We're on social media. You can find us at Podakesis on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, today, we're so excited because this episode, we bring our very first guest to the table, Dr. Brian Russell, professor of biblical studies from Asbury Theological Seminary, and he's going to be adding a lot to our conversation. So without further ado, uh, let's start the show. Hello, Podicumens. My name is Brett Maddox. Welcome to another episode of the Podicesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. Once again, we are joined by your favorite tag team wrestling pastors, the pastors of pain, the ministers of mayhem, the, uh, what else do I have? The elders of uh, don't let it fizzle. I don't, don't, I don't, it fizzle. I don't know what else I have no, there. Oh, it just went <laughs> The abbots of the apocalypse. We'll go with I, that too. That's <laughs> nice. nice. Yes. Jim Morrow and Alan Kaysen. How you doing, guys? Hey! Doing great. Awesome. Awesome. We're so glad to have uh, y'all with us, and we're so glad to be joined together. Here we are on our fourth episode of the Podakesis podcast, and we are most excited today to introduce our very first guest on the podcast, yes. Dr. Brian Russell, professor of biblical studies at Asbury Theological Seminary. Uh, Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, and I, and I think you guys are the elders of extravagance. That, oh, nice. <laughs> that's awesome! <laughs> no, it's 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 so good to, it's so good to be with you, and this is this is fun already. Fantastic, fantastic! That's <laughs> great. <fun> already, <laughs> um, uh, Brian, um, you're uh, been the professor of biblical studies at Asbury Theological Seminary's Orlando campus for a number of years. Um, I know that Jim was a student of yours. That's right. um, um, uh, Alan and I have not been, but I know. Personally, I've used a lot of your studies here at St. Luke Church, and um, we are just so thankful for what you offer to uh, the ministry of the church as a whole, and we're grateful to have you with us uh, today. Um, no, it's, it's fantastic to be here, So, and, I, and it's, real, it's a real privilege, too, so awesome. thank you. I'm awesome. super excited. It's kind of like old times. I took, um, I, I believe it was three classes over the course of seminary. I was in with Brian. Um and it was fantastic. We did uh, inductive Bible study, and we did uh, Hebrew studies. One of my one of my friends in the Georgia cohort uh, kind of made this uh, drive to convince Brian to open up an advanced Hebrew course. We went and um, grabbed other students and said, "Please, please, please, please sign up." And our one of my favorite times in with Brian is uh, we took just a short digression in the middle of class to debate the merits of Spider Man Two. When that one came out, that was back in the Tobey Maguire days. You remember that? Yes, it was uh, a Brian, great. You probably don't remember that conversation because these things etch in our brains and not in yours. Uh, but Rob, my friend Robert and I still talk about which one is better and why. 
That's, that sounds like a great debate for this podcast. It absolutely <laughs> does. And spy, for me, the first two Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies were... Spider-Man or Spider-Man? Uh, I'm going to go with man, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Be careful. Plural on the movie. All right. We're, we're great. So, um, uh, Brian, you're married. You've got kids? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm married. Have actually anniversaries coming up this weekend. Um, married to... Uh, wonderful woman named Astrid and we have awesome. uh we have uh, six uh, six kids together six yeah. kids yeah including awesome. f- five five daughters whoa god whoa. bless you man <laughs> that's awesome that is awesome <laughs> that's so great that's so great well many uh, many blessings upon your household my friend that's awesome that's awesome so uh, today we are uh, looking at question three of Wesley's revision of the Shorter Catechism, of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And at the end of this episode, Jim Morrow is going to announce who the winner was uh, for, our, uh, for our free book giveaway that we mentioned in the last episode. We do have a winner, right, uh, Jim? We're going, to, we're going to draw the winner live. Oh, that is. Ooh. And that's fantastic. So we're Suspense. looking forward to that. So Suspense. you've got to wait till the end of the episode to do that. So uh, the question, question number three of uh, Wesley's revision of the Westminster Catechism is what do the scriptures principally teach? What do the scriptures principally teach? Now, if you remember from our last episode, we talked about what rule or standard has God given us to show us or to direct us how to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. Uh, we talked a lot about that, talked about some of our favorite stories from Scripture. We were excited about uh, sharing kind of some personal stories there. Uh, now what we want to do is take kind of a 40,000-foot view of the entirety of, of Holy Writ, of, the, uh, of Scripture itself, and talk about what is it that Scripture principally teaches us. And this is right in the wheelhouse of, of, of Brian and, and what he teaches uh, through some classes and also through some stuff that he offers for the church as a whole, uh, particularly a study called Invitation that you can find on uh, at seedbed.com. And so we're excited about that. So let's get started and we'll start with the scripture proofs. Uh, we'll start with the scripture proofs, both of which come from Second Timothy. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read the one verse scripture proof, but then I'm going to ask uh, one of our uh, one of our co-hosts here to read kind of the larger context of this. And you'll find that these scripture proofs are very interesting in how they uh, show share with us kind of the larger story of Scripture itself, or at least the importance of it. So uh, the first one comes from 2 Timothy 1, uh, chapter, uh, verse 13, where it says, uh, Paul writes, What you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Now, would one of y'all want to read kind of the larger context of, of that? I'll do that for you, my friend. Uh, We'll pick up the context starting at verse 6 and read through verse 14. And Paul says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. 
And of this gospel, I was appointed herald and an apostle and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Hmm. What you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we read from this last week, but we'll read from it again. Uh, the verse that comes out of the shorter catechism is, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Alan, you got that larger ca- that larger context there? Sure. 2 Timothy will begin uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured? Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What I find fascinating, and Alan, I want to thank you. As we were preparing for this episode, Alan's the one who brought this to our attention. Um, When we talk about kind of that 40,000-foot view of Scripture, it's interesting that the Scripture proofs that that are in the Westminster Catechism for what Scripture principally teaches comes out of persecution, suffering, out of uh, imprisonment, out of this this idea of of persevering, and um, so Alan, did you want to say a little bit? Like you you mentioned that to uh, to Jim and I in a text that we want to uh, uh, we may want to s- uh, sit there for a minute. What is it about Scripture that would help a community uh, persevere, push forward? What is what is it about Scripture that does that? And not just Alan, anybody else there? Well, um, I, you us. know, I, I don't know. I don't know if we've stated the answer to the question yet, have we? Uh, oh, actually, no, not, not yet. yet. <laughs> so, so, so let's do that real quick. So the answer to the question is: the Scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God, and what duty God requires of man. Right. And so those Scripture proofs um, are are outlining um, are, are the foundation for that answer. Um, but I, you know, I guess what I, when I looked at those scripture proofs, I couldn't help, but con- Paul talking to Timothy, um, continually talked about suffering and, ser- uh, persecution, keeping the faith, believing even in the suffering and through persecution. Um, and, you know, thinking about what duty, you know, I know we may, we may be getting ahead of ourselves, but what duty God requires of man is, I would say to keep the part of that is keeping the faith even during trials and sufferings. We live in a modern age that um, kind of teachings just put it out there prosperity that things are going to go well no matter what. If I follow Christ, everything is going to go well. I'm going to have it my way. And so when things don't go our way, when we experience pain and suffering and trials, 
we either think it's uh, a lot because of a lack of faith or God's punishing us when sometimes life just happens. Right. Um, and, and so if we're not taught correctly, um, especially that, um, that even in faith in Christ, we will experience trials and sufferings and persecutions, um, that our faith will crumble if we're not, if we're not ready for it, if we're not prepared for it. Right. Absolutely. And I, I, I was appreciative of you bringing that up in, as in our preparation of this. I found this uh, interesting, that verse 12 of, first, of 2 Timothy 1, where it says, That is why I am suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I believe, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. There is something deep within him that he draws from the scriptures that he was reading in his day, be it the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures, but also this personal revelation of Jesus Christ to him on the road to Damascus, which I would imagine still has some sort of impact in his life. Oh, absolutely. These, these many years, these many years later. Um, absolutely. The, the absolutely. interesting thing in that first passage, and, and I'd love to hear uh, Brian, some of your take too, um, in the proof part itself in verse 13, it says, keep uh, what you heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching. So what, what I'm remembering as I'm, uh, as I'm reading that passage, it says all scriptures God breathed, that Paul is not himself thinking, I am writing a Bible book today. <laughs> yeah, um, right. It's it, there are the scriptures handed down in the Hebrew Bible, but now he's also kind of self-declaring in chapter one, verse 13, what you've heard from me keep as a pattern of sound teaching. So there is a sense of um, the continuity and that God breathed inspiration even in the New Testament, in the New Testament teaching as well as the old. And while you'll end up in the same place if you didn't take those routes, it's still nice to say, hey, here's the context and how it all comes back together. Right. And it, it's it's fascinating. Uh, Paul says things that many of us aren't comfortable saying. You know, Paul says, like in Philippians, um, look at me. Um, mm. Here he is, same kind of thing with, uh, you know, hold to the standard that you learned, that you heard from me. Right. And it's not just heard because here's Paul in prison. So Paul's got, you know, real skin in the game, right? Oh, he's yeah, he's yeah. actually, and, and that's, 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 that's such a vital uh, lesson for us. I mean, one of the things that one of my mentors, Alex McManus always said that, and Jim's heard, heard me say this in class, but the gospel comes to us on its way to someone else. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and it's, it's so vital when we're talking about even the role that scripture plays theology. And I guess I'm, I'm guessing a lot of pastors listen to this podcast or, or lay people that are really interested in their faith. Uh, we're basically the lesson and, and, and the reason that the scriptures are so important for whether it's good times or bad times, uh, times where we're tempted to think that we can make our way through the world on our own. Sometimes we neglect the scriptures or when we're getting really pressed down, um, we need the scriptures because people look at us as models, examples, teachers, and you know the critical piece is if someone's actually going to listen to us, 
Mm-hmm. I remember my preaching professor, Jerry Mercer at Asbury, actually told us all, he goes, someday, folks, someone's actually going to listen to what you're saying. And, and <laughs> what is that going to happen for me? <laughs> it's going to happen one, one of these days. <laughs> Thank you. But, 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 but the great thing about that, we all laugh, but the you know, thing is, but that's the whole thing. Somebody yeah. is actually going to listen right. to us one yeah. of these days. And what are, what are they hearing, right? Are they hearing mm-hmm. the, 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 um, the sound doctrine. So here's, you know, here's Paul mentoring this younger man, Timothy, and he's trying to get that in- impression to, uh, across to him. During some pretty difficult times, I would imagine, uh, yeah. that's going on. Um, whenever Timothy was written either pre or post the ger- destruction of Jerusalem. So some things are happening in the, that mid to late 60s AD for Jews and Christians in the Mediterranean, especially in Israel. And so things are, they're having to kind of lock down. They're kind of having to firm up their foundation. And that's, uh, that's important. It's, what's interesting is you, you talked about that where Paul does say, look at me, look at me. And it does kind of make us feel uneasy. But yet there is a sense that there is this uh, historical tradition of passing on the faith that you can even look back all the way back to the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, uh, impress them upon your children, uh, nail them to your doorpost, uh, put them on your heart. It becomes kind of a very real thing that you're supposed to uh, live this out as you pass this on from generation to generation. So, yeah, I'm very appreciative that you brought that up about what Paul says there. No, that, I mean, that's, that, that is the whole piece. I mean, we can talk, like when we talk about this, we're talking about this catechism, right? And so we, you know, we have our confessional statement that this is the, the word of God. And I guess I'm not on video, so I'm holding up my Bible yeah, right yeah. now for the, yeah. <laughs> for, the, for the three guys on the video here. But yeah. I've got my Bible in my it's hand nice right Bible. now. And, and we can say it's, this is the word of God. And I can yeah. remember growing up at Hope United Methodist Church up in Ohio and my pastor every Sunday would, would say this is the, the God's word. Um, it's inspired, inerrant, and infallible. I mean, I just grew up hearing that about the, about the Bible week in and week out. Mm-hmm. But the critical thing is what the catechism is really getting at is scripture isn't just something that we confess to be the word of God. It has to be um, truly um, the authority in our lives, right? right. And, 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 and one of the witnesses in the New Testament, which again, I think it's cool that you bring up the, the context of persecution, um, when push comes to shove, the scripture has demonstrated that, in fact, it actually is the word for God and that it right. can sustain us in even the worst circumstances. Right. I know for me, um, in these days of uh, coronavirus and, and being at home and, and lockdowns and churches closed and stuff, you get, we get a lot of um, uh, sometimes pushback from laity who uh, think, you know, everything from huge conspiracy theories to, 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 to whatever. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I, I, I see kind of lacking in the church is this idea of perseverance with joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience trials of all types, as James would say, or all throughout First and Second Peter, this idea of joy and perseverance going hand in hand with each other. They're getting that community dealing with those issues are getting that from somewhere there there's something that is uh, that is holding them together and it would be it would be the scriptures it would be the the uh, the the testimony about the resurrection of Jesus Christ it would be these core things that 
even in the most difficult situations um, in uh, in their lives, in their community, they would hold together with joy. And, you know, Alan, uh, a while back, you said um, a couple episodes ago, you, uh, you when we were talking just off off uh, camera, off uh, podcast, we never really got to the piece of the first question of the catechism where it says, what is the chief in demand? It is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, the forever part. We talked about enjoying God, but that forever part means in all situations, at all times, no matter yeah, what's me- going on. Yeah, and it means, it means learning to practice that now. Yes. Because um, eternity starts now um, forever. And, it, you know, it's funny, uh, or not funny, um, Funny is not the right word, but interesting, interesting when we have pressure um, from outside circumstances, whether it's uh, currently uh, COVID or anything else, um, how do we react and what what is our foundation when that happens? Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing some of that good or bad um, from these outside circumstances. And like you said, as you as you as you look at Paul and Timothy and James and all these other uh, new Testament writers and um, their foundation was scripture and they had some significant outside pressure put on them. um, And yet they held on to the faith and they were writing to encourage other faith communities who were struggling to hold on to the faith um, and offering them encouragement. Um, From the scriptures, from the scriptures, uh, from yeah. the scriptures. So right, and in the, in the Hebrew scriptures, which would be primarily the scriptures. I know that uh, there were letters being passed around, whether or not they knew something of inspiration and at time at that time period, who knows? But um, there were New Testament letters being passed around from community to community. But the primary scriptures they would have had would have been the the Hebrew scriptures, and so it is just full of what to do during suffering, a whole book of Job on that. And lots of, of the Psalms dealing with suffering and what to do with that. There's a uh, Jeremiah. I mean, there's a reason he's called the weeping prophet. Things are not great when uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians are marching in onto Jerusalem. So what do we do there? This is um, there's real pathos. There's real life going on um, in those scriptures that would hold these early Christian communities together. Now, Dr. Russell, I know you, uh, Brian, you've got uh, your, your specialty is Old Testament. And so uh, you want to speak a little bit to that kind of how, how would have the uh, Hebrew scriptures informed maybe these early Christian communities um, during, during, these, uh, during these times? Well, we know, like, you know, from Acts, like the Bereans were searching the scriptures. Again, depending on the, the community, the type of conversion, most of the gospel typically went in. And they preached in the synagogue, so they would have had a lot of the early converts were Jewish. So they already know the scriptures, and they would have had the God-fearers who the Gentiles would be like the natural person. So for those for those folks, they would already know the scriptures, so it became a matter of um, doing what happens in Luke chapter 24. If you remember, you have the three different resurrection stories, but in the, lo- in the, last, um, ep- in the last appearance, Jesus actually appears to the disciples uh, and he essentially it says he opened their minds to the scriptures in the, the last that yeah. last paragraph and um, or so in, in in Luke Luke 24 he shows them that 
the Old Testament teaches about that the Messiah, that he was going to die for the sins and, and, that, that, and that was going to be proclaimed to the nation. So you have this whole vision, a way of reading the Old Testament to see that this was leading up to the culmination of uh, really the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. And then with the power of the Spirit, that would they all those things get traced back into the Old Testament. You can see the preaching in Acts. And so the Old Testament would have shaped the persons, and they also would have known the Psalms, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, yeah. That was one of the most heavily quoted books in the in the in the New Testament. And so I was I was just talking to a talking to a professor from Fuller this week that had Eugene Peterson as his teacher when he was back in seminary, and I wow, cool was that? And it was yeah. a class on a biblical spirituality and. Uh, this, this the guy that was talking was David Taylor who's saying, and he has a book on the Psalms. Now we were talking about this on uh, just, yeah, I talked to him two days ago and, and he, um, he was talking about Peterson. He's in his class with Eugene Peterson and Peterson's given them all this stuff about, you know, biblical spirituality. And, but uh, David was telling me that like, he's sitting there thinking like, well, what am I supposed to do with all this stuff? Cause there's no practical stuff here. And so he finally raises his hand and asks Dr. Peterson, can you give me anything that would let me apply all this stuff I'm learning in the class? Cause, cause Peterson, if you've, you know, I'm sure you, you all know with him and some of the readers are, he's yeah. really rich person and he does, right. he tries to avoid easy answers and really yeah. calls us to depth. And so he, he basically, he just told them, told David and the whole class there, okay, here's what you want to do. If you want to apply everything I've been teaching you tomorrow morning, when you wake up, read Psalm one, hmm. um, the next day, read Psalm two. The next Jays read Psalm three, and, and that was essentially Peterson's advice. And, and and that's what the scriptures do in the Old Testament. It's um, it gives us a rhythm, it gives us a foundation. And when you're looking, when you get lost, right? When you when any time that you're lost in your life, um, how do you reset? You have to go back to the basics. I mean, right. you you guys are up in Georgia, so I'll pick on you just for a minute. Let's see. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I think the the New England Patriots were playing a team from Georgia. Oh, seriously, I, I, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, th- th- this is the perfect illustration, though. And, and again, um, you know, um, I turned the game on. I'm not. A, I'm a soccer guy, so I just watched the Super Bowl. I decided if I'm going to watch it by what the score is. So I checked. I'm like, holy mackerel! The Patriots are getting completely creamed in this game. And I'm like, I got to check this out. But what happened, right? And you all, well, you all know what happened. It, it took it took some fortune. But but if we're making this a spiritual thing, we have to say. The Holy Spirit does some gives them some breaks, right? But but the key thing was how did the heck how did the Patriots win that game? Right. They came back out and what they do? They started running their plays. That's exactly right. And and then, you know, and then obviously they're not gonna lose if there weren't some some fortune came their way. But as far as what they could control, they ran the plays, right? And so when we think about how did the scriptures form the early church. That's the basics. It yeah. still is. It's the means of grace. And so, like, you know, wherever we are in our lives, uh, we have to stay grounded in the basics, whether it's we're winning 21 nothing at the half, whether we're losing 21 nothing at the half. If you want to stay in the game, get to the fourth quarter for the mm-hmm. win, you run the plays, you stick with the basics. And so you know, with the early church, it's like, you know, how do they make their way through the world? They have the gospel. Obviously they have the oral preaching about the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. And, you know, that's a whole conversation about how the new Testament was formed. There were books circulating like you all already talked about. And there seems when you read the new Testament, there looks like there's some inner knowledge that 
some of these books are becoming authoritative, but they had the Old Testament for sure. They had the yeah. Psalms. So they're reading those things right. for the message. What does this teach us about Jesus? Right. What does this teach us about, about living? You already talked about the, the Shema text, uh, Hero mm-hmm. Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is, is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. You're going to impress these things. We, we ha- you have these habits. These are the roots, right? And so, right. so Scripture is, is, is um, again, make it a sports thing. It's, um, you know, breathe it in, breathe it out, run the plays. Mm. If you're a musician, right. sing your songs. Just keep, you, 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 keep, you keep on keeping on, and it yeah. slowly uh, shapes, transforms us, gives us that roadmap, that guide uh, for, uh, for life. I, I love wow. that idea of rhythm. I love it. And because as one whose rhythm gets upset so much. I don't know, Brett. Um, you got rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> one of the, <laughs> well, uh, one of the things uh, too is you kind of even see this with that first chapter of Genesis, that rhythm. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. You get this prologue yeah. that just automatic. the first thing you read in scripture is going to be this rhythmic, almost song-like poem of God doing of breathing of C- uh, I, I, um, and I've said this before I loved how C.S. Lewis uh, talked about creation allegorically in um, the magician's nephew of the Chronicles of Narnia mm-hmm. when Aslan comes out and is creating Narnia he's doing it by song he's doing it by song he's singing uh, Narnia into existence and that's kind of how when you're reading that first chapter of Genesis you really get that and it's rhythm it's rhythm, and that rhythm continues throughout uh, the Old Testament and even into um, even into the New. And so um, yeah. that's exciting. And and to see the power of the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew Scriptures in these communities, um, there's an uh, a extra biblical document that uh, some scholars believe were, was written around the same time as the Gospel of Matthew probably was written within the same community called the Didache, and it is um, a it is a teaching document. In fact, it's called the teaching of the 12 apostles is what it would have uh, eventually come to be known as. But um, it, it is this teaching document. So if the gospel of Matthew is the, uh, is the proclamation of the gospel, then the Didache is, okay, now that you're a, a follower of Jesus, here's how you develop your life to be a follower of Jesus. And it is just it's it's basically the old the Didache's the Old Testament plagiarized. It's just all of this Old Testament, um, even the Ten Commandments, and then some are added to it. It's a it's a it's a it's a interesting document of formation for a community. Mm-hmm. Um, very early on, kind of one of the earliest catechisms that the the church, the Christian church, would have had. You know, it's interesting. When you think about uh, if somebody knows nothing about the God of the Christian faith. You think about God must be all everything that is good and everything that is powerful. You know, it's just the heightened level. You think philosophically the heightened level of everything, but the, but God means something. And what does that mean? And to be able to go into the story of scripture all the way through and be able to see it's not a God or a God in which that I can uh, put in characteristic everything that I think God should be like. You can see through the story, through the writing of scripture all the way through, this is a very particular God. 
um, that does things that we may, we may or may not be comfortable with or excited right. about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I think it's so important to say, uh, to, to have the scriptural witness as, as our baseline. I think about Amos and the plumb line um, as kind of the, the foundational or the, the level. Um, but there is a particular kind of God, not just any kind of God that is the sum of everything I think is good or everything I think is powerful, or if, if God was everything I wanted him to be, then I would always be right. And all of my enemies would be smoten. Right. But there's a particular God. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting that the catechism wants to bring out that fact. Right. And that the scriptures, because we can really make God in our own image. You don't just right. have to make a golden calf to do that. Right, I exactly. I get ahead of next week, Jim. So you need to slow, slow your roll. <laughs> hey, it's called it's called foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so the question, particular for this uh, for this episode, is what do the scriptures principally teach? And that answer, as Alan read earlier, the scriptures principally teach that uh, what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man or humanity. So let's break this down just a little bit. A little bit. This question and answer assume that there is a unifying message that weaves scriptures together. So uh, do we believe that? Do we believe that there is this unifying message or is it just this, uh, is the Bible itself just this broken up, uh, you know, piece of literature from or 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 collection of literature from the ancient chips man uh from the ancient world is there a unifying message that weaves throughout scripture and if so what is it what is it yeah i mean i think uh I think it's important to, to know. I mean, this is what this is what biblical scholars debate because people always try to find complexity. People will try to find um, contradictory statements, and we have to recognize, obviously, that the Bible um, sixty. We all know the sixty six books. Um, lots of different authors written over. I mean, at least a thousand years, if not longer, if you can, right. depending on how you date some of the Old Testament books. So you, you have uh, uh, you, you certainly have diversity in there. But the critical piece is what is, is these are the Bible's a witness uh, to God's work in the world. And so when we think about what the unity is, I think the best way to approach it is, you know, I, I do a whole thing with with the narrative. And, you know, one of the most profound things is just to see the most easy way to see it is like the Bible starts with creation to go the way to Revelation. It ends with a new creation. So we know that the scripture is moving something from somewhere from creation to new creation. Uh, we also can recognize in the earlier chapters of Genesis, but this message carries on throughout the scriptures, is that there's a problem, which is why there has to be a new creation. Right. And that fundamental problem that really the scriptures deal with, it gets fleshed out specifically in, say, Genesis 3 to 11, but obviously you'll see it in Paul's writings. You see it in basically the need for God to send prophets to Israel, the right. way that Israel lives, the problems in the New Testament. But the, the simple the problem is that um, humans, men and women, rebelled against God's go- very good creational intentions for the world. And so sin becomes both something that breaches uh, creation itself, but infests and continues to infect every person and every human institution that we have. So we just have this big jumbled mess and God's answer to that. And the scriptures tell us that it's the, it's really the missional reason we even have scripture is God doesn't leave humanity 
in a mass. Right. Instead, God has a plan. And so the scriptures, we have that thread. God calls Abraham or Abram still in chapter 12 to be the means by which God is going to bless all the families of the earth. And which families are those? Those are the families that are infected, infested with sin. And so you have the story of Israel. Mm-hmm. And we're going to we're summarizing the Old Testament really fast. But God calls Israel to be uh, his conduits of grace to the rest of the world, if you want to think of it that way. And that culminates in the fullness of time with uh, really the ultimate human, the the God-man, Jesus Christ, who comes to earth. He's the son of God. He's the son of David. He's the son of Abraham. uh, He's the Messiah, as as Matthew 1.1 says. And Jesus's life, death, and resurrection is the climax, really, of Israel's history. And Jesus, through his work on the cross, through his life, demonstrates the inbreaking of God's future. Mm-hmm. Taste of that new creation now dies on a cross for uh, the brokenness of creation, the brokenness of every person, all of the injustices in the world, all the sins of the world, all the transgressions, uh, everything, systemic sins, all the stuff that we want to talk about. It's all there on the cross in Jesus, essentially. And I was thinking, you know, go back to oh for a thousand tongues to to yeah. sing. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the gospel. It's on the cross. But the good news is, is Jesus also raised from the dead. And so, yeah. you, it, it, it break this. Uh, the future breaks in. This optimism breaks in in the gospel. And then God, as Jesus ascends, the Holy Spirit descends and unleashes the New Testament people of God, this extension of Israel, the church, unites Jews and Gentiles, male and female, slave and free, all people in Christ to take this message then to the ends of the earth in anticipation of this new creation that's coming. And so we have this great narrative in which we can find everything. And then, you know, then obviously that's one way of reading scripture. Scriptures also lay out, then you can read about God, who is God, who are humans, right. what is sin, all the great doctrines right. that we come have their roots in the scriptures, right? And so I, mean, right. I can keep talking, but I think that's kind of what you were sort of asking. How does yeah. the scriptures bring this out? Right. So, and- so the Old Testament is not something that we can just decide to, uh, what's the word we were using there, Brent? <laughs> Unhitch from? Right. That's exactly right. Unhitch yeah. from. Yeah that's, that's a good, a- yeah, that's an irresistible term, right? <laughs> 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 yeah, so you I mean you always you, you do hear a lot about um you know the god of the old testament the god of the new testament and right. and there's really if you were to take a look at it just like just like Brian was talking about there's there's great great unity um, right in the power of the scriptures. Yeah, I, um this is where I think um one of the things uh when I've been at at St. Luke for 12 years now or I'm in my 12th year and uh one of the things uh, that I keep just preaching to this to these these uh to my church members is um ben witherington's and i don't know if it's original to him but i he he put it in our heads when we were in class is a text without a context as a pretext for whatever we want it to be and i think what's helpful for how brian just lays out this creation fall israel jesus church new creation thematic weaving of all 66 books of our of, of the scripture itself of 
a thousand to fifteen hundred years of writing, forty plus authors. Uh, this thematic weaving helps give us context that holds it all together. Because I could, I could go and just pick out a passage or a verse, and I can manipulate it in such a way that I'm always right. That my my worldview, the way that I want things is always right. And I've backed it up with scripture and that's the word of God. And it's going to be, that's the way it is. But when we take a contextual view of scripture, then you start seeing this idea of scripture, interpreting scripture, this unfolding of, of God's plan. Uh, one of the things that was most helpful, and I'm, I'm not just saying, I would have said this even if Brian wasn't here, but in the invitation study, I don't know if in the new videos uh, it's like this, but in the invitation study, uh, one of the things I think you hit on was the issue of slavery in, the, in, in Scripture and how you start seeing God transforming institutions throughout, all the way through. And it's this, if you, if you read it from a high view, it, you, you see how God's transforming an institution to where you get to the New Testament and there is no slave nor free, no Greek nor Gentile. And it's, that's like, when you look at it contextually, things like that is powerful. It's, yes. re, it's redemptive, it's transformative. And you start seeing, you know what? God really wants us to be free. He wants us to be alive. There's, there's, there's something holy and, and magnificent about, about this. Yeah. And, and in very fact, I mean, you know, in, the, in this, in this, this time where the United States is having a really difficult conversation right now about race and we're going back and, and evaluating historical figures. So you've seen like, like even George Washington, uh, because he was a slaveholder, statues are being taken down. And, and obviously no, no one's here is going to say anything good about slavery at all. And so at some level you think, well, geez, do we need to go back and say cancel parts of the Old Testament? Because there's actually texts that, uh, you know, like Exodus 21, which is the passage to talk about in um, invitation, right. like the Israelites just get out of Israel. I mean, sorry, the Israelites just come out of Egypt. And Exodus is a book about liberation, right? Uh, liberation right. from, liberation for God. And here, when you get to the, the law codes in Exodus, of the Ten Commandments in chapter 20, and then right at the um, end of chapter 20 and beginning of 21, it's interesting, the first two laws, first law and at the end, last paragraph of chapter 20 of Exodus is about how to build an altar, but the very first law that has to deal with treating other people is a law about slaves. Right. And you just think, what in the world, how can a law about, how can Israel have slaves if they just got released from Egypt? And then, but the thing is, is God powerful thing about the Bible is it's not some book that's just describing what heaven's like. It's a book that completely understands the reality and depths of the human experience, the challenge, the pain, even in the injustices. And what God's doing there is not saying, hey, it's a great idea. Let's go enslave everybody. That's because right. you read the Old Testament. It's already making laws that are subverting the, the, the practice itself. And we can even, even in some ways, chapter 21, it's not even about um, permanent slavery. It's about um, debt slavery. That was, unfortunately, that was if you were kind of, instead of going bankrupt, you have protections today. If you owed people money, you had to sometimes sell yourself for a time to actually pay your debts. And at least it's, it's limited in those contexts. Again, we're not glorifying the language, but again, it's all about the context. Right, right. The amazing thing is it's like, you know, thank God that the God of scripture has in mind I have to think about the most marginalized people on the planet, and I'm going to create a people, the people that are going to reflect my name, that are going to be the only people on earth that are actually going to know who the true God is, 
we're going to deal with these societal issues profoundly. So we're going to subvert them and give actually protections to the very people that nobody else is protecting with their laws. Again, that's not the glorify thing, but when you read it contextually, it's powerful because essentially in the Old Testament, it's a love God, love neighbor. And if you're going to love your neighbor, you're going to make sure that the the systems (laughs) that are in place actually have an expanded view of who your neighbor is, right? And we could say a lot more, but I mean, just powerful. Even texts that seem offensive, if you dig around in them, like some of you had Dr. Tuttle, one of my all-time favorite yeah. colleagues. You know, he he would say that there's part some parts of the Bible you got to squeeze them really hard to get them to scream gospel, right? Mm-hmm. And so some of these some texts are hard, but you got to st- sit with them, ponder them, because there's something in there that's important for us to hear. As long as we just listen with the assumption that the Scripture is what it claims to be or what it appears to be. And that our job as readers is to uh, figure out, you know, how does this text, like Augustine, his great paradigm, how does this text teach us to love God? How does this text teach us to love neighbor as the basic applications? But mm-hmm. um, so again, I'm getting ahead. I don't want to talk so much yeah. here today. From you. That, that's that's oh, fantastic. Great. I'm just kind of sitting here uh, enjoying it. Just <laughs> taking okay. it in. I, I think it was worth you being here for nothing else than to make Alan uncomfortable with Georgia football jokes. But <laughs> Um, no, that's you know, fa- it's fantastic. If the analogy Ryan. wasn't so good, I would have asked for a new first time guest. <laughs> but. But there's nothing we can do to fight that at all. So no, but it, it's powerful that you can see. And and Brian just talked about like even in these places where you're like, I don't know what's going on. The scriptures are teaching about God and what our what and the word in the catechism is duty. But what what is our responsibility to God and to other people? And you can find that even you know just in. And through the whole thing, it's so powerful to me. And, and that's great about duty too. Let me let me just say something real quick. It's like mm-hmm. um, the key thing for all of us reading scripture is is it's um is it if you read scripture and you only continually find your own personal life, your own ideology, and your own views affirmed that's probably an excellent indication that you're misreading the Bible. Right. Absolutely. Yes. And so we have to be super careful about that because it's always subverting us. Cause like, you know, you like, we just talked about all these slave texts, but we all know that, um, you know, sadly we went from the Wesley's and the Methodist church who were adamantly opposed to slavery and just absolutely offended by it. What they saw in the early colonies to end up, that becomes this great, compromise within even the, you know, I don't want to pick on the Methodist church because all the denominations did that, but it ends up the, the, the vision of the Wesley's gets dropped. And then you get people justifying slavery with scripture instead of seeing its liberating message. So we have to always be careful. <laughs> you already said it, you can always make the Bible say you're right. We read the whole Bible and read it for conversion. Read mm. it. How is this text calling me to change? Yeah, and yeah, if it's yeah. and if it's calling you not to change again, reread it a couple more times because <laughs> yeah. you're probably missing some key. And it's part. not just about reading it so that you can figure out how somebody else needs to change. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. that's absolutely <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that hey, is fun though from time to time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, and of course, of course, you've got the the scriptures for evangelism, but you can't just look. It's it's the take the the plank out of your own eye. You've got to read and let the scripture challenge you. Yeah, I love it. So this 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 question talks about um, what do the scriptures teach, and in yeah. my understanding and experience, there are a lot of ways in which the scriptures teach. They 
they instruct, but I've also found that some of my most powerful moments with scripture are in either contemplation or a memorization mm. um, or in hearing them in song. There's because there's a sense where, and Brian, you mentioned this earlier, that it is a means of grace, a way in which God uh, imputes grace to us as we engage in scripture. I personally believe and would say that the, the spirit of God speaks whenever our eyes and ears or eyes and our heart are on the page, whether we understand or not. And so I'm interested in, uh, Brian, you've talked a lot about, now I've taken classes with you about in-depth, like original language, grammar studies, but I'm also really enjoyed um, just some of your spiritual journey, which has involved teaching and learning from scripture in different ways. I I just wondered if you'd tell us a little bit about that and how that's impacted your journey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this, this has been a continuing growing edge, um, uh, for me. Uh, it's, um, and again, everything I'm about to say is, is no taking shots at exegesis and careful study because in a sense, everything I'm about to say gets built on that. Right. Um, the, cause, but the key, the key piece is, um, is we have to recognize that, um, what's that scripture, no matter, we could get everything perfectly parsed. We can have every word, you know, exquisitely defined. We can have it all hooked together, but the scriptures don't come to life unless the spirit brings it to life. Amen. You know, you know we've all experienced things where, you know, somebody will tell you something you said in your sermon that changed their life and you didn't even say it. <laughs> They just kind of somehow in their brain thought they heard that. And by the way, that's how Alan works all the time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and, you know, and and so, you know, one of the ways I like to talk about it is, um, you know, we want people to read scripture, but the the trick is, it's not even trick. It's, um, and I hate to even use the word magic part because it's not magic either, but uh, we have to move from just reading scripture to letting the scripture read us. Right. And, you know, and you have to, so you have to come to the scripture um, with all your learning. So everything we're talking about, you bring all the learning because, again, you know, ignorance is never an asset to ministry. It just it just isn't. The more that we know about things, that, you know, it's, it's easier to get into the scriptures. But to, to get the scriptures to come to life, we kind of have to lay that aside. And, you know, some of the framings that I like to say, it's like, you know, you read scripture, but scripture needs to read you. Yeah. Um, we don't want to master the text. We want the text to master us. Those, yes. those are kind of cliche types of things, but these all come back to, to, to prayers, right? Like, um, you know, like I remember, um, you know, when I think about my own testimony, uh, when I was a teenager, I literally was looking at my Bible and this long story, but I, I, my youth t- pastor to challenge us to read the New Testament. My life got to a point where I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I'm going to listen to my youth pastor because I trusted him. And I remember picking my Bible up and just saying, Lord, I don't even know if you're real, but if you're, if you're real, reveal yourself to me in the scriptures. Hmm. Um, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guarantee if everybody listens to this podcast, prays that prayer. I mean, I'm pretty certain that that prayer gets answered. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think another prayer that God answers, and this is really important for whether when, in our engagement with scripture, it's really important for all the pastors that are listening or anybody that teaches Sunday school or anything. It's, um, pray, pray that God astonishes you with the scriptures. Take that Psalm one, two idea that your delight is in the law of the Lord. Cause we, we have to be delighted. We have to be astonished because when you're astonished by the word and that deeply shaped by when you're astonished, you can be astonishing 
And it's not your own work. It's the spirit working through you. I got that astonishing prayer. I got it from Ellen Davis's book, Wondrous Depths. She teaches at Duke. I think she got it from Thomas Merton because I've seen that language used by Thomas Merton, the the Trappist monk um, as well. But that's a great prayer too. Lord, astonish me with the word. Mm. And and then we just have to have a super sensitivity. Because again, Augustine, and I'm trying to, I'm working on a book on how to read scripture that in a kind of a spiritual way. So I'm just, some of you are just getting some of the thoughts that I'm kind of processing, but Augustine's um, work on Christian doctrine, his little book, um, it's his book on hermeneutics on exegesis. And yeah, he talks yeah. about read scripture to love God and love neighbor. Uh, and so, you know, but what's fun about that? Well, this isn't fun. This is the painful part, but if you want to do what, what Jim was really asking me, get a real spiritual reading, you have to flip it. Mm. So what is it in my life that this text is pointing to that's preventing me or blocking me from loving God? What in my life is blocking me from loving my neighbor? What is blocking me from even loving myself the way that God loves me? And so you have to kind of flip the text sometimes to try to get those things. So you're actually reading the text as a way, and I think you were, this may be next week's episode, but I'm going to say just all good. All good. Yeah. yeah. um, the, the Bible is essentially an anti-idolatry document. Yes, absolutely. And, yeah, right. Because you already said it's showing yes. us a different kind of God. And so, yeah. like, I'm, I'm going to have a chapter in my new book. I'm going to call it idolotherapy. <laughs> in, in, in other <laughs> so words, it's a, it's, it's a spiritual way of reading the Bible that allows God to point out all the idols in our lives in a way then that we can surrender those to God and God's sanctifying grace can come into our lives and lead us on to holiness of heart and life. And by, you know, by idols, I'm talking about everything. It's some, right. um, cause the thing is like, you talk about a, a different kind of God things that we miss sometimes is the Bible's whole context. Everybody's it's polytheism. It's not like there's atheists and then there's the Hebrews came along. In fact, some of you, you guys probably know that the early Christians got accused of being atheists. That's right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Which That's like right. what? Because they because <laughs> they they believed in this invisible solo God and denied the existence of all these other gods. But the reality is, um, like I consider myself, and I guess this is on tape, so this is a confession for all. I consider myself a recovering polytheist. Hmm. And I read the Bible because I don't want to be a polytheist. And I've noticed in my life that, you know, I can say all the right words. And this is, I think you wanted to link the two pieces of the, of the catechism together, right? About, right, um, right. What's the Bible teaching and then how do we live it out? Mm. It's, we don't want the Bible just to be words. We want it to be lived out. And the thing that prevents us from living out the scriptures and, you know, the, the life of Jesus is Lord is in subtle ways, we elevate other aspects of our lives. And again, many of these are good things. It's not like every God that people believed in was bad. I mean, there were gods of um, you know, taking care of your children. <laughs> there were gods of, um, of happiness, of joy. Of course, there were gods of war and things. But most of the things that people worshipped were good things. A god of a good harvest. Mm. I mean, I want to eat, right? I mean, so these right. are good things. Um, they're gods of... Um, of sexuality, gods of wealth. And so, and, and so the, the subtle temptation in our lives is we think we don't believe in a bunch of gods, but we still believe in all the things that those gods represented. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yes. yes. And so, so scripture, what idolatherapy basically is, if I'm really going to love God and I'm really going to have to love my neighbor, 
I have to have all of those things de-elevated in my life. And so when I say Jesus is Lord, that means that Jesus is qualitatively different out of all the competing options in my life that I could worship. Um, I'm going to be with Jesus as my one and only. That's kind of back to that Shema faith, right? Yes, and so, right, um, right, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's what I forgot what the original question was. But that's what I mean by a spirit. Oh, it's spiritual reading. But that's what when we talk about spiritual reading, that's what I'm talking about. That's a deep dive spirituality. Yeah, it's letting the text push all of the competing options out of our lives and calling us then to, you know, one of my books, I called it realigning with God. It's to realign our lives continually with the good news and the text. And the beautiful thing about the Bible is it's so deep. You could, it's like going to the ocean. You can just sit on the beach and watch. That's just saying the Bible is the word of God. You can dip your toes in whatever that that is. You can get in knee deep, Mm -hmm. um, chest deep, but it wants you to get in over your head and take it all the way down to the Marianas Trench out in the Pacific. And when you and when you go d- deep and deep and deep, there's always additional depths. The scriptures are going to continually to call us to deeper levels of realignment and, and repentance as we continue to grow in grace. Um, you know, and it's like um, even if those of us who believe in entire sanctification, remember even in Wesley, there was growth after that. Right. And so it's kind of like, you know, I wear glasses and again, this is, nobody sees this on video, but if I take my glasses off and they're like, I'm looking at you guys now on the video and I'm sorry, listeners, but just imagine I'm looking at everybody with my glasses, everything looks great. And I think my glasses are clear, but if I just take my glasses off and then I hold them up to the light been wearing them all day, they look awful. Yeah. Mm. They're smeared. They need clean, and that's that's how our lives. And that's what Scripture does. Scripture takes takes has us take our glasses off, hold them up to the light, and no matter how long we've been reading it, it continually shows us the places in our lives that we have to open ourselves up anew to what God wants to do in us. And so that you know, so that's that's what I'm really. You're on. That's my growing edge right now, Jim. You didn't get that when you had me in class. No, but I'm loving it. I'm loving it. It's just that's uh, yeah. It's important because I think that. We, we have to, one, we have to know the story of Scripture. There's the narrative yes. of Scripture that we have to know because it shapes our life. Then there's the, the, the words and the grammar and the ideas and the history and the happenings. We need to know those things. But we also, the Scriptures don't just teach us that way. I, I, I'm, I think that the Scriptures teach us in that spiritual way as well. Yes. Yes. Um, so when asked what the Scriptures pr- principally teach, I think there are many modes of teaching that you can't master in a lot. You could memorize the whole Bible, and the Bi- the Bible's not done teaching. Right. And and I, I just I think it's amazing to be able to to talk about that today because it's it's one of my it's on my journey right now too. I hope it's on a lot of people's is to let the Scripture come alive in you. Right. Um, so I just want to bring that up. Well, I mean, what's the sermon you were trying to write this week, Jim? Uh, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Teacher, which Holy by the Spirit time this comes teacher. out, you can find it on GlenvilleUMC.com <laughs> uh, YouTube page. Um, well, in our scripture, our scripture proof says all scripture is God breathed. And so God is continually breathing and teaching um, and deepening our understanding of, of the scriptures. So, um, man. Like, I, like you said, I don't remember the question, but the answer was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and by the and, way, that's that's a principle for Bible study, too, honestly. Yeah. We can bring any question that we have to the text. Right. 
as long as we're willing to let the text answer whatever question it wishes we ask. Oh, so I'm so appreciative that you brought all this up, uh, Brian, because, um, so in preparation of this, I found uh, St. Jerome, he, he said this about scripture. He said that for scripture offers itself in such a way that an uneducated congregation can more easily learn from it. Some benefit there and both the learned and unlearned can discover different meanings in the same sentence. So let us study here on earth that knowledge which will continue with us in heaven. What Jerome was getting at is scripture, you do not have to be a PhD trained uh, professor of Old Testament or biblical studies. You do not have to be a master's of divinity trained uh, pastor or teacher of scriptures in order to read the scriptures and and to be inspired by it, to be changed by it, to be transformed by it. The most, uh, the, the most, and I don't mean this derogatory. I just, I, I, I just trying to get, I'm trying to get a point across. Even the most common lay person uh, can read scripture and their lives be changed by it. And I love that idea. The, the, the fifth article of the 39 articles of, of religion out of um, the Anglican church says that Holy Scripture contains all things necessary for salvation. Mm-hmm. That's a transformational statement. It doesn't mm-hmm. say it contains all things for information. It contains all things for knowing how to go through, you know, uh, about science and, and economics and politics and this, it says it contains all things necessary for salvation or to salvation so that whatsoever is not read therein or nor may be proved thereby is not to be required of any man that it should be believed as an article of faith or be thought requisite as necessary for salvation. In other words, you don't need anything else. Now, it's good to read outside you know, what Wesley, John Wesley, he, he, he read voraciously. He wrote an enormous volumes and edited enormous volumes, but he calls himself a man of one book, a man of one book, transformed by the, by, by the, the testimony of Scripture um, itself. I still think it's fascinating, the story of Wesley's heartwarming experience at Aldersgate in 1738, that it was the reading of the preface of a commentary to the Book of Romans that Martin Luther wrote. 150 years before, but what Luther's writing in that preface to that commentary to the book of Romans was, it it was imbued with scriptural promise within it. It was imbued with scriptural promise within it. And so that's a powerful thing for us to remember that scripture does contain everything and it's available to everyone. That, That was one of the great pillars of the Protestant Reformation that scripture is available to all, all people, all people. So, and I, and flip that on its head just a little bit. Um, I mentioned in, uh, I'm doing an online Bible study right now. I mentioned about the fact that the, the people who have been the best readers of scripture that I've ever known have been people who've simply dedicated their life to it without going into higher learning for it. Um, that sometimes our, our credentials get in the way of our reading the Bible and that maybe we could try to put some of that pride down or whatever it is that makes us think that we've got 
uh, some mastery over the text. Now you're just meddling, Jim. Now uh, well, you're just meddling. I, I've been meddled with, um, <laughs> but to, I'm serious. Like the, the elderly ladies in the St. Mary's United Methodist church, where I came to faith, they knew their by they, they knew their Bibles in their bones. And I went to seminary and I, and I didn't realize that that's what I was trying, what I wanted. And I learned to read the Bible uh, with a razor and a pen and a computer. And it's after I got done and realized I want it more. I want it in my bones. Yeah. And so I just want to encourage everybody um, in the same way, just in the same line that Brett did, that, that the Bible is powerful in and of itself, that anybody who hears or reads or I'd even say sees, the Bible will speak and teach. Mm. Amen. Amen. I don't know. I just got real passionate about it. Maybe <laughs> it was preach. that kale smoothie I drank before. Oh, okay. Why, oh, why do you always bring that up? Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sorry, Brian. That was... That's an inside I'm thing, sorry. and he's... Yes. You're you're on restriction now. <laughs> you were going, um, remember when I said that really neat thing? Remember that. You were going so well. All right, so we're coming to our hour here, and we've been so appreciative of Dr. Brian Russell being with us. We don't want to keep him uh, uh, beyond. I know his time is is precious, and we've got a lot going on um, in all of our churches. But I do want to close with one thought, or as we prepare to close, um, I'd like for us to briefly, as we can, share uh, how has the Bible, what is one area in your life the Bible has informed or shaped your understanding of maybe of God, or maybe has transformed your understanding uh, of the world, or or, or what what is something that is concrete in your life that you can share um, uh, with our listeners about how the Bible really has been transformative for you? And since I'm springing this on you guys, I'll go ahead and I'll start and give you a moment to think about uh, what you were going to say. And for me, um, it is uh, the, the the role of the Trinity. Uh, you know, when when you look at the doctrine of the Trinity, uh, that one we we serve one God who's three distinct uh, persons: this uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, um, one Godhead. Here, um, you you don't you don't see this directly in Scripture. You don't see us. You, you won't find a passage that says God is Trinity. I mean, that's just it's not like you're going to go to Second Thessalonians four and say, and Paul's going to say, oh, by the way, God is Trinity, and here's the formula for this. But in the fourth century and even before that, the church uh, they 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 developed this formula for explaining the nature of God from what the Scriptures were teaching about God the Father, the Holy Spirit. God the Son, Jesus Christ, and how all these work together in this uh, in this uh, loving relationship within the Godhead that that love gets spilled out through grace to all of humanity. So it was actually a deep spiritual reading of Scripture that made me fall in love with the Triune God. Uh, mm-hmm. See, it, it, and and it, and it just blew. Like I at that point, I realized, okay. The idea that God loves me makes perfect sense in a Trinitarian worldview and, 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 and reaching out. And that it, it really has been impactful to me. Uh, Steve Seaman's book, The Trinitarian Shape of Ministry, has been uh, enormously uh, helpful in even how I shape how I do ministry 
from a Trinitarian worldview, but it was that it all started from a deep, deep dive. Um, actually, in Steve Seaman's Holy Spirit class, where we had to really deep dive into um, uh, passages about the Holy Spirit, and I started, I always, you know, affirmed the Trinity, but I didn't really believe the Trinity until I was in that doctrine of the Holy Spirit class, um, and and it really was revolutionary for me in that aspect. How about y'all? I'll go, um, okay. and I'll just go from just recent, very current, um, and and kind of where we started the podcast with the idea of persecution and suffering. Um, been doing a uh, study sermon series in Philippians, and Paul's writing in jail, um, uh, house arrest, chained to a guard, and yet he sees it as an opportunity to share the gospel. Paul doesn't see it as a as a uh, problem. He sees it as a, a possibility, and um, and he sees he sees. Um, the Roman guard chained to him <laughs> rather than he, he's chained to the Roman guard. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I just think about our current situation and, and, and we're not experiencing anything. Like this, this is stuff that's happened to us. We're not in America. We don't know what it's like to, to be persecuted for our faith. Um, even though some people think we do, but we don't. Um we, we don't, there are people in other countries that know far worse uh, uh, what it's like. Right. That's right. That's um, right. So it's, it's this study and looking at Paul has dared me to ask myself, how would I, how would I react? Um, and I know what I would hope I would do and how I hope I would react, but I don't know until I am put in that situation. And that scares me a little bit. Mm. Um, mm. If I'm honest, Cause it's pretty, we we're, we're pretty cozy. I mean, I'm sitting in a office with a nice computer and iPad and mic and all this, you know, um, I just don't know how I would react. And so that challenges me, um, uh, to think about the way Paul handled his, his, his troubles and sufferings. Um, so how would I handle mine? Mm. Mm. That's powerful. Yeah, I've spoken a little bit. I'll just bring up, I've got a verse on my wall. It's in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It's the verse that says, rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances. Um, for some people, that kind of bubbly joy is always uh, natural to me. But as a perfectionist person that is always looking at the world as not perfect and needing to be fixed, um, it does like it never resonated with me. But to, it's like those sentences are so short and powerful and punctual. And I can never forget them. They stuck in my head until I started uh, diving into what gratitude would look like. And actually uh, with some help of some other resources and people in my life, just trying to say, what would it look like if I learned to give thanks in a powerful way, like Paul is talking about there. And then the act of giving thanks for things in journal and in prayer. Um, opened up my life in a way that I didn't know was possible that if that if those if those sharp pointed sentences in Thessalonians wouldn't have stuck in my spirit I may not have known they were even possible my life is better because I'm learning what it means to be grateful um in in as many circumstances as I can and hopefully it's more today than it was yesterday but that's my short story there you go amen I guess I would just say 
I think because I was trying to think how I would answer that. I think it's a really good question that you asked, Brad. It's worth uh, pondering really deeply there. So but I, I think um, for me, I can echo what you all said, but I, I, I guess what scripture does for me is it reminds me that there's a different reality mm-hmm. than what seems to be apparent if you just turn on the news or just look outside and there's this whole other kingdom that's coming and is already here Mm. and it's like our portal that invites us to live in that world even now and that and so i I think the kingdom message when you really when i really got a handle on that um that's the challenging piece then and it's like you know whose kingdom am i serving i think that's a powerful a powerful way to uh to to close and i do i do want to say to our listeners out there and um and i've mentioned this before it, it scripture is a transformative document it's a transfer it's it's a gift from god to us to tell us that things don't have to they're they're not supposed to be this way and that god has actually done something about it. And I know that there probably are some of you out there listening to this podcast who are struggling right now, who are looking for answers to some questions. Maybe you're a pastor and you're dealing with some issues at church and you're questioning not only your calling into ministry, but you're questioning your faith. Or maybe you're a lay person and your marriage is on the rocks or you're um, you're having an issue with an older child who's probably battling addiction or something going on there. And you're questioning a lot of things. You're questioning yourself. You're questioning perhaps your own fate. What we're, not, what we're saying is we, we don't have all the answers, but we know the answer. And we know that God has given us his word to help direct us and to call us to transformational living. God doesn't want us staying the way we are. God has created us in his image. And even though we have fallen, and even though that image is marred and, and, and messy, the blood of Jesus cleanses and can bring life and eternal life to all of us. It changes, it, trans, it transforms. And so if you would like to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, um, I, I would love for you to just contact us at questions at podakesis.com, questions at podakesis.com. Uh, we'd love to pray for you. Uh, we'd love to talk to you if you would like to have a conversation about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and, and to know the God of the Bible, of the entire, of the entire Bible. Uh, Brian, it's been a joy to have you. If you've got a few minutes to stick around for a second, we're going to go ahead and announce the winner of our book giveaway. Uh, We are giving away a free copy of Wesley's revision of the Shorter Catechism. Um, And uh, Jim has already, I guess he's already done it. I don't know. All right, I'm going to do this live right now, Brett. Here we go. To enter, you uh, had to comment and share the post and let us know a little bit of something about why why you're listening, how you're enjoying and spread the word. And so I have on my phone a dice app, um, <laughs> a role-playing game dice app, because I still am a nerd pastor. Yeah, you got a roll for initiative I, here. Let's go. I got a roll for initiative. I've got all the names listed down here. I have a prediction. I'm not going to name it yet, but I'm going to roll this die. Oh. And it is. Oh, my goodness. The number one first person to share and comment was 
one of our favorite listeners, Miss Allison. Allison. Allison, how about that? Allison, Congratulations. I'll reach out to you on Facebook or give you, since we know each other, give you a text or get your address. We'll be sending that book out to you. You That's can cool. follow along with us. We're so glad that you're one of our biggest fans. It's totally rigged. Totally <laughs> rigged. Hey, listen, the only people who listen to this podcast right now are people that we really know. Alan, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you real quick. Alan, yours, though, was the only family member that actually did that. So yeah. I'm proud of you. Yes. Um, I'm going to be having a talk with my family after this. You're hey, guys, me I, too. I have one more question for you guys. Just one thing rankling my brain. Can yes, I ask sir. you? Yes. Hey, what do the scriptures principally teach? Uh, the scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. Good answer. Dr. Brian Russell, where can people find you in the social media sphere? And um, I know you're also a host of a podcast. You want to tell people a little bit about that a as well? Wonderful podcast. Yeah, I have a podcast. Uh, it's called the Deep Dive Spirituality Conversations Podcast. Uh, you could find it on YouTube. I do it as a video cast, but it's also on um, Podbean, uh, Apple, Spotify, yeah. so far. So you can find it all those places. Uh, uh, so I have that. You can also, um, for now, I mean, brianrussell.org, take you to my, my old blogger site that I still put a lot of things on, um, uh, Twitter. Brian D, as in Douglas Russell, Brian D. Russell on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and I do some, I'll do some videos on Instagram. I'm at your professor for life. Uh, <laughs> yes. So it's like, awesome. so I, I use that, and that's, um, that's kind of a very much uh, for if you're interested in spiritual formation, the Instagram is set up really completely for, for that. Twitter is a little bit of everything. But the, and I'm also, if you're a business person, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can check me out to there. And I put some videos to even help uh, Christian business owners on there too. So I guess I'm Brian D. Russell on LinkedIn. So I guess I'm sort of everywhere on the online. Enjoy doing that. Um, and if anybody wants to reach out with me on email, you can reach me at um, deep dive spirituality at uh, gmail.com. Uh, love to be of service. Um, and even right now, one of the things I'm really passionate about is um, can't, can't, again, if I don't know how many people listen to this podcast, so if I get an overwhelming uh, response, I, I, <laughs> you I'm will. Not, You'll I'm, get an yeah, overwhelming, overwhelming. <laughs> just, I'm sure well, there'll be thousands yeah, by the time yeah, yeah, it airs. Yeah, it's just like my podcast too. So it's <laughs> like, um, but you know, if you're if you're a pastor and you're looking for um, a small group experience that really goes deep dive, I call it deep dive spirituality. I do um, work with and coach a, a small number of pastors. So if you'd be interested in that, working with uh, me at deep dive spirituality at gmail.com and my YouTube channel. I forgot about that. Guess what it's called? Deep dive spirituality <laughs> with Dr. Brian Russell. So awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm there, but uh, it's, it's fun. And um, yeah. And, and it's a real privilege to be on today. And, uh, and what I'm trying to do on social media is like, I think, you know, this is part of getting the gospel out. I love podcasts yeah. and my YouTube channel. If, again, I'm not, well, I guess I am promoting my YouTube channel, do but, but basically it. what I do on the YouTube channel, um, all of my academic stuff that I use in teaching is there for free. Yeah. You have and to it's awesome, through. by the way. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 and I use it to post, um, obviously, stuff to my podcast, but I have lots of spiritual formation pieces. So there's both serious academic stuff on there, but things that are, would be accessible to anybody, even if um, I would think some of my stuff's successful, even if you're listening to this and you haven't made a decision for Jesus, you just want a little bit more information. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's all there on at the deep dive spirituality at, for Dr. Brian Russell on YouTube. And so again, it's, uh, 
great to be with you guys and hope I didn't talk about myself too much here. No, we love no this it. is no, great. This Brian, is great. you you are the standard of guests now. You are you have set the bar high. We'll take all those links that he just said to his social media and his website, YouTube, all that, and we'll put it in our show notes on podakesis.com. Uh, next time in a couple of weeks, we will be coming back to you with question number four from Wesley's Revision of the Shorter Catechism. That question is, what is God? Dun, what dun, dun. is God? So that's, uh, that is going to be a great time together. You can find us at podakesis.com. We're all over uh, social media. We're on Facebook at podakesis. We're on Twitter at podakesis. We're on Instagram. Guess what? At podakesis. Right. And you can find us wherever you listen to your podcast. We're on Apple. We're on Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, our iHeartRadio. Tune in. Uh, we're everywhere. If you're not listening to us, it's not our fault. So come on. <laughs> and it's a lot simpler to find you all than me because I have too many different words for myself on the web. So I, I, need, a, I need a branding consultant. We're gonna, we're, we'll link you everywhere. That's right. We'll link you everywhere. And so... Uh, Find us, uh, share this with friends and family who you think this would be a good podcast with. We really appreciate your support. And thank you for joining us on the Podakesis podcast. Y'all have a great day. <laughs>